Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Take responsibility. Well, I'm so busy. You're right. Who made you busy? You, the world. It's no excuse. God gives us the ability to overcome it. So we're here laying our lives down for you. I'm proud of you. Most of you are getting it. Some of you are looking at I have regrets for you. Because I see amazing potential that you've never tapped. It's because you got the, God's always working you, trying to bring you out of the past. Let's strain forward this morning. For Jesus Christ. Memories can be dangerous things. They compel us to look backward and to look with regret at things done that can't be remedied. They're difficult to let go of because of the emotional pull that can be so strong. Pastor Mark is teaching that we can overcome this situation through the power of Jesus. Since he came to us from all the things that have weighed us down, that naturally includes memories of the past and their negative effect on us. We will be learning the importance of weakening the emotions brought up when we recall our past and how to diminish their power over our lives. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part 2 of his message, Straining Forward into My Future. You see, anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, he's writing to adults, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, about growing, about being more mature, about being more like Christ, about having more fruit. But solid food is for the mature. Well, how'd they get mature? Who by constant use, this is huge, they've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Look back in verse 12. By this time. Remember, we studied in our last series three important keys. God, people, and the use of our time. Paul writes to these people and he says this. Hey, you're contented. You're stagnant. You lack spiritual maturity. You were a baby Christian. You're still a baby Christian. After all these years, you haven't grown. You haven't matured. It's because you don't want to grow. You have no real desire to be useful to God. In fact, you're wasting your time. And because of that, look at verse 14. You can't distinguish between what is good and what is evil. You see, 
Their hunger and desire for the word of God was fading. They were unreceptive to correction and exhortation. And because of this, you understand this principle. We study the word of God because this Bible tells us how to do life right. So if I don't really have much desire for it, if I just want the superficial, the few little keys, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, thank you very much. If I never learn the other principles, I can't do life right. And that means in my marriage and with my kids and at work. And not only that, notice, you can't distinguish between good. Notice what it says. Look what it says in that verse. Good and what? Good and evil. A baby can't distinguish between good and evil. Puts his hand right on the fire. (laughs) But here's a sign of maturity. Let's see how mature you are. A mature believer can distinguish between good and best. See, I already know what's evil. As I mature in my life, I've discovered this. I don't want just good things in my life. People will email me. Pastor Mark, can I do this? Is it a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. I email them back and say this. It's a good thing. You can do it. But is it the best thing? That only comes with maturity. I want to do the best thing. Because that is the best use of my time. So ask yourself this morning, as Paul's going through this, where are you? Here's a great thing, and, and I'm not trying to step on any toes. I'm sure I am, but that's okay. Baby Christians think this. This church is here for me. What have you done to please me lately? This church is not here for you. We sang it today. We're here for God. Sorry. We're not here for you. We are here for you. I lay my life down for you. All the pastors do. We are here for you. But ultimately, I'm here for God. And when you become mature, you don't walk in saying, what can they do for me? You walk in saying, when I get plugged in, how can I be useful to God? That's a mature statement. Now, we have to deal with all the rest because we have new beginners. We have new babies. That's okay. It's fine. But over time, that has to change. Is it changing? Now, the only way you're going to move from a baby to an adult, maturity-wise, spiritually-wise, is this next statement. Write it down. Hearing God through the word is essential to spiritual maturity. See, you and I have to be in the word. That's why we teach the word. You you can't leave this morning and leave your Bible in the bookshelf back there and never pick it up for the next two weeks. You will always be a, a baby. And you can't blame that on somebody else. It's you. So we have to have a quiet time with God. We have to be in the Word. We have to be in the Word on a regular basis. There are no quick fixes to any of this. Remember Paul's words, straining takes discipline. Paul writes to Timothy, work hard so you can be present yourself to God and receive his approval. Work hard to exert oneself, to labor, to endeavor, to give diligence. You see... God wants us to spend time with him. If I do, he will train me how to do life. And I just want to stop for a moment. While God is tearing down some walls in all of our lives, I just want to say this. By and large, you guys are amazing. You're studying. 
You're taking notes. You're loving God. You're maturing. As I look at you, because I've been here 19 years with you, some of you, I watch your life. You're growing. You're becoming more like Christ. Kudos. Great. Way to go. We're growing together. Hopefully. Some of the sermons that I used to preach 19 years ago, praise God, they're in the past. (laughs) And I've exploded all of them so you can never hear them again. I mean, that was me. Ah! See, if I was the same now, after 19 years ago, you wouldn't be sitting here. But see, it's not about me. How did God use that? It's the power of God's word. It's not the messenger. It's the power of God's word. You have to get into it. So get into it. That's what grows us, is the word of God. Third enemy, simple. Satan, the devil. Where does he battle mostly? In my mind. He tempts me, and he always is condemning me. You're not good enough. You'll never make it. Who do you think you are? Look what you did. And I have to keep saying to Satan, that's not me. I'm forgiven. I'm a different person. No, I won't make it of myself, but I will make it with God. So you and I, here's the next thing you want to write. We strain forward against being irresponsible. Satan is the great deceiver that likes to deflect truth. And so he lies about situations. I have to strain forward against being irresponsible. Not taking responsibility for my decisions. That's kind of our world. Now, I want you to finish this statement. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The horse is you. The girl is me. Or God. I've brought you so far some amazing truths this morning. Can I make you apply them? No, I cannot. I brought you to the water. But you're going to have to be responsible to what? Drink. The Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So, as you look at that, you might say, what are you getting at? Here's what you need to understand. This is for me. Here's my past. Who's responsible for getting rid of Mark Balmer's past? Who's responsible? I am. Is that right? So I'm responsible for doing that. Well, let's bring it back. Who's responsible for getting rid of the good things that I've accomplished in my life so I don't live in the past? Who's responsible? Me. Okay. Who's responsible this morning... For traveling light in Mark Balmer's life and, and, and straining toward the goal. Who's responsible? I am. My wife is. Those of you been married 10 minutes know that won't work. I, I can't move my wife forward spiritually. I can encourage her. I can be a role model. But she has to take responsibility to who she is. Now, I want you to see something that's going to shock some of you. Because you haven't been watching the newspaper. There's a new traffic signal coming to Brevard County. Here it is. This is not a joke. This is very If you're a driver, pay attention. You won't listen to anything biblical, but you'll pay attention to this because you don't want to get a ticket. Now, see the flashing third arrow down there? That's going to be new. A flashing yellow arrow. Left turns allowed, but must yield to oncoming traffic. That's coming. That's coming. 
Now, let me ask you a question. If you don't see this, or you don't pay any attention to it, and a new signal comes, and you turn at the wrong time, and the police pull you over, they're going to say, you did something wrong. Well, I didn't know. Who's responsible to know? You're responsible to know. So will you get a ticket? Yes. Is it deserved? Yes. Why? Because you didn't know and you had the ability to know. Every driver, this afternoon you'll be on Google till Jesus comes figuring out what this is. You should be. So I want you to write a statement down and you'll see where I'm going with this. Here's the next powerful statement. Knowledge brings responsibility. You can't say to the police person, well, uh, I didn't know that. What do you mean you didn't know it? You were emailed from the local agency. Here's what to pay attention to. Be careful. You drive to a foreign country. They're on the other side of the road. You're going to drive to the other side. I didn't know they are driving to the other side. Good luck. You wouldn't even be able to talk about that. You're dead. <laughs> See, taking responsibility for our actions is difficult. Why? I want to pass the buck. I want to avoid taking responsibility. I want to say it's somebody else's fault. Or here's what you can say. What's wrong with our government putting another light? What's wrong with those people? No, just learn it and obey it. Quit deflecting. I'm going to write two statements. And I don't want you to write the statements, but I want you to write simple words. Here's the words I want you to write. Irresponsible people write these two words down. Make excuses for not being responsible. Irresponsible people write these words down. Blame others for not being responsible. Many people never grow spiritually, and they do it because of these two things. They make excuses. Oh, I don't really have the time. You list it, it's as long as your arm. And it's nothing but excuses. Listen to this statement. We do what we want to do. We take time for what we want to take time for. So make excuses. Second, blame others. Pastor Mark, I can't be a believer like you want me to be. I can't be in church, can't be using my gift. Because I was raised in a home, and my mom did this, and my dad was like that. I had a very bad upbringing. That could be true. One of the most powerful pastors in the Calvary Chapel movement is a young guy. He's not young anymore, 50s, called Greg Laurie. He does Harvest Crusades around the world. His mother was married and divorced seven times. In his home was a trail of men constantly. He's one of the most powerful evangelists in the world. You see, he could have just said, well, I can never be anything. Look at the upbringing I had is miserable. How could I ever have a healthy marriage myself? And whatever. He, by the way, he's still married after many, many years. How? Because he quit making excuses. So I want to speak to you from my heart this morning. Quit making excuses. Quit deflecting. Quit blaming somebody else for your irresponsibility. Well, I am not going to grow, Pastor Mark, because it's her fault or his fault or her fault or whatever. Cut it out. Take responsibility. Take ownership for who you are. What you are today is because of you. And it's because of me. It's not somebody else's fault. It's you. Take responsibility. When you stand before God, you're going to go, oh, my wife was in my God. It ain't going to work. So I'm serious. Let's grow up in the church. How about that? And take responsibility 
for who you are. Somebody said this, we work at our play and we play at our worship and we worship our work. I do want to say this. You have pastors and elders and shepherds here. And we're designed by God to move you from here to there. We're designed by God to move you forward. That's our privilege. We love doing it. But I can't do it. Remember the horse in the water? I can bring you to the water. That's what I try to do every week, the living water. You have to drink. Some of you have been a Christian 40 years and nothing has changed in your life. That goes in this bag called regrets. Because if you don't regret it, something's wrong with your heart. I want to be more useful for God than I've ever been before. And some of you, you just attend church, and I'm not stepping on toes purposely. I'm trying to challenge you. Well, I'll show up whenever I need to show up. You need to be here routinely. You need to be in the Word of God routinely. That's the only way you grow. Don't let stuff come in and jump the Word in you. Take responsibility. Well, I'm so busy. You're right. Who made you busy? You. The world. It's no excuse. God gives us the ability to overcome it. So we're here laying our lives down for you. I'm proud of you. Most of you are getting it. Some of you are looking. I'm, I have regrets for you. Because I see amazing potential that you've never tapped. It's because you got the, God's always working you, trying to bring you out of the past. Let's strain forward this morning for Jesus Christ. We're here. We're going to lay our lives down for you. We're not perfect. We're far from it. But you're going to stand before God one day. Would you just turn your neighbor with a smile and say, I need to be a responsible person. Would you do that right now? Just say it. Just say it. Now, some of you said that to a spouse and they've recorded it. (laughs) They got their iPhone out. If they doubt, they're going to ask you to say again. So this afternoon when you get home and then she says, take the garbage out. And you say, oh, no, I'm not going to take the garbage out. Mm, I'll be a responsible person. <laughs> I've saved counseling all week. Praise God. Good stuff's happening. Now, back to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm almost done. Philippians 3, verse 13. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is head. Where is Paul when he writes this? He's in prison. (laughs) Paul's looking forward. He's looking through the... He doesn't even have a car to sit in. He's looking to the future and he goes, I'm looking from strain to the future. God has good things for me. I'm not restricted at all. He looks out and he says, Wow, there's good things ahead for me. Huh? Last thing you want to write, principle. We strain forward against being negative and pessimistic. I mean, Paul's an optimist. Is that amazing? He's in jail. He's imprisoned. And yet he's free to look to the future. What is an optimist? What is optimism? Optimism is a belief that ultimately good prevails over evil. It's a tendency to look at life and have hope. It's a belief that things will get better. You need to see this next statement, because some of you don't believe it, but it's true. God, Jesus, and the Bible are optimistic. Are you? See, Jesus was optimistic about his church. When Jesus stood in Matthew 16, what did Jesus say about his church? Jesus said about his church, knowing all the crud that would happen, Jesus said this, The gates of hell will never prevail against my church. 
Will they? They will not. As long as we're serving God, this church will prevail. We'll defeat the enemy every single time. Well, what did he say about those disciples, those 12 funky guys that had all kinds of issues? No different than us. What did he say to them? Was he optimistic about them? He said, you're going to go in the world and you're going to turn it upside down for me. Did they? Absolutely. What about you this morning? If you're a Christian, is Jesus optimistic about you this morning? Well, if he really knows me, oh, he knows you. Is he still optimistic? Yes, he is. Listen to this. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it. Quit allowing the enemy to say, you're never going to make it. You will make it. He's at work in you. He's tearing down those walls this morning. He's making a mansion, a palace to live in. So you can go forward with God. Paul chose to be positive. We have to think about our future. When this, all this world is over, I want to say two little words to you today. For Christians, we win. How could you be pessimistic? We win. We are going to heaven. This picture is from a man named David Livingston. He was a missionary to Africa. Powerful man. Laid his life down in very, very difficult circumstances. He came back to England once. He was going to see what God wanted him to do and where to go. And they asked him a question. Where are you going to go next? I love his statement. David Livingston says, I'm ready to go anywhere provided it be forward. Hallelujah. I want to leave you with the picture I started with today. If you're here this morning and you've been fooling around in your life looking at the rearview mirror, cut it out. God is not the God of yesterday. God's the God of today and the future. I want you to look through that screen. What do you see in front of you? God's for you. He's with you. He's empowering you. And he has amazing things in front of every single one of you. Let's defeat the world. Let's defeat Satan. And let's say no to our own flesh. And let's together as a group of people go forward for Jesus Christ. Let's take our communities for God. Quit being stagnant. Quit fussing around inside the car, washing the windows on the side of where. Just look out front. If you're a baby, start growing. If you're maturing, keep maturing. Paul hadn't arrived. If Paul didn't arrive, I have no chance of arriving. So I'm just going to keep growing. I'm going to ask God. And i got to defeat it. And to do it, I have to leave my past behind, number one. Number two, I have to press. For, it's going to cost some work. It's going to be a discipline. i got to work at it because I have three enemies against me. But I have God living in my house today. Today, Pastor Mark taught against the attitude of coasting through our Christian lives. We need to learn to be responsible for our own walk with Jesus. We'll have to give an accounting to God for what we did with the talents he gave us. We were encouraged by David Livingston's quote that he was ready for God to send him anywhere, 
as long as it was forward. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This concludes the message, Straining Forward into My Future. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the message, Pursuing God's Purposes for Me Today. We will learn what to do now that we've forgotten our past, which involves finding out what God wants us to do. We'll be encouraged to start viewing life in positive ways and as the blessing God intended it to be. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.